Hello, and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Brian and Harris, each episode will try to unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. There was a time when I was the smartest, fastest, strongest, funniest guy in the world in the eyes of my daughter. To her, I could do no wrong. She legit called me her superhero. And this isn't a unique story either. I know that there are other guys who've had the exact same experience. And as they get in the test, it feels amazing. You don't want those feelings to ever end. But they have to. Not only is it impossible to live up to that standard, our children are better served when they see us as real people who sometimes get it wrong, who fall down, and who from time to time have to work through emotions like sadness, loss, and frustration. As fathers, we accept that part of our role is to create safe spaces for others. My question today to the fellas is, do safe spaces exist for us? Before we jump into that, though, let's check in. Harris, what's good, man? Hey, man, just had a birthday. <laughs> Happy belated. Thank you, thank you. You know, big 37. 37, um, bro. You know, it's funny. I, I just... It was so low key. Like my, my my wife actually almost forced me to celebrate it, um, and it's almost like I think I'm just one of them cats where it's hard to celebrate milestones. Like I have to be intentional about saying, "Okay, I'm going to celebrate this milestone." Um, so, but what I ended up doing for me it was just about rejuvenation. I went outside, got some vitamin D, hit up the grill. And I cooked for the family. Uh, it just, just, just kept it low key, man. So, uh, but yeah, that's what's going on with me. Nothing major. Just another year. Uh, you know, birthdays during the pandemic. I'm sure we all get a do over or something. <laughs> yeah, it changes uh, everything. I don't even know if they count officially. Yeah, right. I'm like, you like 36 and a quarter. Yeah, yeah. So all of that's going on, but I'm blessed. Um, you know, to sound cliche, isn't it sad that being bl- saying that now is cliche? Yeah, like oh, hey, I'm blessed. Listen. It's like no, but for real, <laughs> like yeah, like for real, for real. But it's not a given though, so you know, <laughs> right? So nah, seriously, uh, that's what's up with me. Okay, so I have to ask you, yeah. did, did y'all find the bunnies? Oh, let me tell you. All right, right. So our two bunnies. We went outside and one of our uh, two, two bunnies were missing. And then later on in the day, it's all right. Oh, there's so much. So one bunny belongs to one of my daughters who's just like very emotional. And the other daughter, she doesn't have, she cold blooded, right? It's the Hunger Games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cutthroat. Uh, uh, hello, ladies. Later. It's not later enough. <laughs> they, they heard it was like, wait, what about your daughters? Yeah, exactly. It was like, what about our bunnies? <laughs> What'd you say? Say it quickly, please. Are we doing this until midnight? Well, I be t- <laughs> Go ahead, let the people know. Yeah. All right. I will uh give you forty five. This is this is okay, real. And I'm a little Alright, you gotta have to talk to mommy about that. And your your snack cabinet. There are plenty of snacks. Hey, this is this is Dad Jeans one oh one. 
Listen, it's not a game. It's not. 24-7. I mean, even when we on this pod, we still okay. dads that don't stop. Love you. Man, they ain't even say I love you back. All right. So <laughs> she got a snack cabinet and everything. And cold-blooded. Like I said, that was the cold-blooded one. The one was like, give me my snacks. <laughs> and, so I literally was, when, I, when, I, when they said that it, they were missing, I was like, man, I hope it's her bunny. Because she going to be over it by morning, you know. Nah, it's my emotional one. She 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 made us all stand in a circle and reflect. And we've only had it for two months. <laughs> it like two months. Anyway, so uh, one of our neighbors was actually uh, looking at us, just walking around, and she said, "You know, are y'all missing y'all bunny?" And it turns out one of the bunnies was in uh, um, in one of the other yards. So. We found the bunny. The bunny's name is JBJ. We found JBJ, but uh, Rosie, we, we we can't find. And at first, my wife was like, hmm, somebody stole that bunny. And I said, stop it. And the reason why I said stop it is, I don't know about y'all, but there's a there's there's a reoccurring theme I've experienced with, with black people. When something comes <laughs> missing, they'll be like, somebody stole it. I'm like, why we got to start there? Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why can't we can, what evidence do you have that that's the case? And the reason why she felt that way is, you know, we get the bunnies, and it's amazing how stuff comes up missing as soon as you start showing people. Uh, so, you know, I get that. But lo and behold, the other day, you know, we had um JBJ back in the um in the crate or whatever, and she saw this bunny do a hop. That was like almost three feet high. He had a oh. Jordan on her, so that's what happened. They both they they escaped. There there was one little open area, and he wanted us us free. And um, one of them made it, and the other didn't. Hey. So yeah, <laughs> either that or maybe you know. Let's be positive. He living his best life somewhere. Rosie is just out there kicking it. Uh, you know in um. You know, buddy, bunny Dubai. That's, so, that's a better that's, narrative than uh, you got a, a neighbor who's stealing Amazon packages and bunnies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, so, but uh, all is well. The girls are good. Actually, believe it or not, they're handling one bunny much better than two. So, you know, hopefully the bunny's safe. But, uh, you know, maybe one, you know, is a new way to go. Less money. That's what I want. Hey. I feel it. <laughs> B, I'm sorry you got to follow that, bro, but how's it going? I mean, I might as well just say, let's just go ahead and just jump right into the main part of this conversation. <laughs> you know, no no, no bunnies for me, none, none whatsoever. But what I can say is, um, you know, we are, what, day 49, it seems like, I think. Mm. We, we've been checking off on, uh, yes. on COVID. And so uh, <clears throat> it's just, you know, you continue to adjust and adapt. And so... Yeah. You know, Nas and I have been exploring outside and walking through this forest preserve and finding frogs. And um, he just got a pair of rain boots now. And so his big thing is jumping in puddles. And I tell you, I mean, I don't have to have Jordans on for me to be like no water on any of my shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but given that my son has stepped on my shoes after mud, it's just, it's a, it's a lose, lose, right? It's a so wrap. It's a wrap. It's, it's, it's a wrap. And it's so funny because he's two, but he'll look at me and be like, 
you know I run you know I run this house. <laughs> you know I run this house. And so uh, you know, it's 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 just again, man, it's just, you know, it's just fun, man. It's just fun just seeing him grow and just seeing him uh just get excited about what he probably wouldn't have been able to get excited about if he was still in daycare. So now that he has that time mm. with me, um, I'm, I'm just excited to be a part of seeing him grow. So it's, 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 yeah, man. I mean, it's not bunnies, but Hey, frogs. Hey, Ribbit. No, Ribbit. Cool. So y'all have no clue what I'm about to tell you, but, um, because this is a safe space and if it wasn't, it will be, I'm going to lean very heavily on that. I, do not rock with animals that jump instead of walk. Like <laughs> I, I, I stopped short of using the word afraid, but bunnies, frogs, kangaroos, Can- kangaroos, nah, nah but grasshoppers. Well, listen, see, a, a, a grasshopper is more like an insect, so I'm okay. But like animals that will just look you Dude. in the eye and and hop, no, no. I can't. You do realize that that's most animals that can just look right. through your eyes. <laughs> listen, listen, but not hop. As their as their main mode of commu- of uh, of transportation, they're hopping. No, that's just not. Sir. No, there's something Sir. wrong. Listen. Man, listen, I just think we need to just take you to the zoo and just have a zoo <laughs> intervention for real, for real. Listen, my daughter teases me. She's like, "Daddy, you know Rightfully we got bunnies so. at school." Rightfully hey, listen, so. Let me tell you how much I care. I've lived 43 <laughs> years, and part of that, I believe, is because I stay away from animals that that don't that don't move like regular like regular animals. That, that's animals the reason to. you made it. Wow. Okay. Hey, part of it. Wow. Part of it. That's that's, that's the dissertation I should have wrote in graduate school right there. Why I made hey, it. Hey, listen, listen. D- don't knock it. It's working. I ain't mad Moving. at you. I mean, so do you watch 21 Jump Street? <laughs> you know what? You know what? Do you not like the song "Can I Kick It" by? But it has, it has a terrible, has a terrible title. He can kick it. He just can't hop over to me. There's a difference. So you never <laughs> said if you froggy leap. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, true, no. But see, but look, but you say that to somebody who you're not really feeling. See, so there's something to that. Lord help. I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on. Um, but yes, is this is a place where I should probably unpack stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I was talking to a friend yesterday, and you know, we're doing our, our check-ins uh, during the coronavirus, and she asked me a question that has kind of stuck with me. Um, she asked me, "Am I confident that Tamika and Tamika's Ella's mom? Am I confident that Tamika?" has been keeping Ella as safe as she could while Ella's in her care. Hmm. And I answered before I even really thought about it. And and what I told her was, I can't control that. And and, and I just have to assume that that's the case. Like, I, I can't put any energy into worrying about that. I have to assume that when she's with her mother, she's in the best of care. And... As I thought about it, like after the conversation was over, I've talked to other friends who aren't as confident in the other partner's care uh, Uh of their kids. And I could imagine that that is, that's a lot to manage. I mean, you know, all of the things that there are to to be concerned about. And this isn't just co-parents. This is, you know, people who have to go to work or people who have to 
be in the home office or or people who are in the home with their kid who just think that if I'm not taking care of the child or the children, then I'm skeptical as to the quality of care that the other parent is providing. And one of the things that, you know, while everything is going on, one of the things that I'm very um, thankful for is that I, I really do believe that wherever my daughter goes, um, she's receiving quality care. Um, mm-hmm. And, and my, my heart goes out to those who, who can't say that um, with confidence or who don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, there's a lot going on in, in these things that we don't even necessarily think about until, you know, disaster strikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But hey, can yeah, I give a quick shout be... out? Can I, can yeah, I give? Yeah, of course. I want to shout out all of the delivery drivers, especially. Uh, FedEx, UPS, Amazon, the male men and women. Um, there's not been much traffic in our neighborhood other than, mm. um, you know, these men and women. And so I just want to give them a shout out. Uh, and if you happen to be listening and you're, you're there for the people, we want to let you know that we're here for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, d- we really appreciate you. So I just wanted to go ahead and just put that out there. Yeah, yeah man. it's it's interesting how circumstances like this make you appreciate people who to some were invisible. Before. Absolutely. And even even now, more than ever, they are still mm. invisible. Yeah. Like, just give me what I ordered. That may not be essential. Mm, right. You know, and I'm like, you know, listen, Red Sox ain't essential right now. But I've seen all kind of stuff delivered. But again, <laughs> I, I appreciate them and I really value, I mean, because they're working hard and I really appreciate it. Yeah. No, that's what's up. I mean, they, in many cases, they make they make all the difference. I mean, True. there are people who are getting groceries delivered who otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got my, I finally got my mask in the mail today. I'm not going to tell you what I was using as a mask before, but. You got um, the red socks, didn't you? Your, your, your do-rag. Exactly. I, I, exactly. I, like you got I, a wavy a, neck right now. So I have bandanas, right? In, in several colors. Um, oh, my God. Affili- you was repping every not, set. Not affiliated. Okay, just checking. Um, bandanas with coffee filters on the inside. Hey, um, I ain't mad at Like I ain't mad at you. I ain't, I ain't mad, mad at, at you. I ain't mad at you. I was about to make a joke, but then I'm like, you know what? Respect. I'm out here. Yeah. Respect. Listen, it's it's better than me walking, wrapping, racking a uh, a scarf around my neck. So yeah, um, that's true. But yeah, and I've seen um, it. But yeah, but so I, I finally got my mask today. So yes, I mean they're they're delivering things. Um, Without concern about what's in the package, just making sure that they're getting they're getting the things that people are are getting and are purchasing to us safely. And and I'm like you, Brian. I'm very appreciative of that. Yeah, thank you. All right. So without further ado, let's jump into the topic. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about when we when we decided to come together to do a podcast was safe spaces for fathers. Um, I believe, and I might not, I might be wrong, but I believe that motherhood lends itself um, more to safe spaces. And, and what I mean by that is, I know growing up, my mother had other mothers that she would talk with, that she would commune with. There were times when my grandmother would say, "Hey, you need a break. Bring them over here." And even now that I'm a parent, 
um, my friends who have groups, support groups, tend to be more women. Um, and given how important that parenthood is, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys about um, if you believe and if you feel that there are safe spaces for fathers. Um, and when we talked about this very briefly before, um, Harris, you brought up something that I, I thought was interesting, just about your your uh, conceptualization of, of the, the idea of a safe space. Uh, so I wanted to start with you. So a couple things. Um, one, so I never really used the term. This is going to sound like I'm being pretentious, but I promise I'm not. You know, I don't like the term safe spaces because it sounds like a promise. And you can't promise that in a lot of cases. Uh, so, for example, especially like if we were facilitating uh, a meeting and say, oh, this is a safe space. I can't promise that, but I can promise that it'll be a safer space than it would be if I wasn't trying. Uh, so, you know, that's just a thought. Um, but I guess another aspect of of safe spaces is, you know, I feel like it's a strange time. For fathers, uh, when when we when we think about that, and what I mean by that is, right now, there's always the tropes that you know a dad could just walk in with some kids and it's looked at as oh he's he's a superhero, and but now there's also this notion that if you if you're actually like aware that you're a good dad and you're like you know I, I think I'm really trying to do this thing good, there's a mentality that's kind of like well that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and you know if you talk about celebrating your wins you know that's a that's a big part about mental health and being able to stay the course is being able to say okay you know what i'm really doing this thing i'm i'm showing up the way that i want to show up uh, my kids are doing well um and being hit with that you know well that's just what you're supposed to do uh it's not it's not a very healthy space you know no i mean and it doesn't I, I guess what I, what I find challenging is that there's not as much room for trial and error. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the there's the assumption that as a father you don't know, or you're going to be bad at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then there's there's like this this feeling, and maybe we put it on ourselves that we have to stick the landing. Yeah, um, Brian, I wanted to I wanted to come to you because um, you're the newest father, yeah. and on top of that you um, are in a new environment um, geographically mm-hmm. and you, cre- you created a space. Yeah, I um, did. So, You know, which was I'm, interesting because, you know, I started thinking like, as soon as my, my son was born, you know, my first thought was who the heck do I turn to? Mm. Right. I'm sitting there looking at him and I had two thoughts. My first thought was how do I protect your black body? And my second thought was, who do I turn to? And mm. the amount of pressure in the midst of holding this being was so much that I had to pull myself from that with a quick prayer and get back to like the now. And that really helped. But I think what I've seen is that, and I have to, I have to, to disagree with my brother Harris, is that it's it's not that dads are supposed to do this, right? Yes, there is definitely that framework that we work from. 
But I also feel that there is this uh, sort of surprise um, that is, you know, generally looking at us as, oh, you want to be involved? That's such a nice thing, right? And that was something that kind of got me frustrated in that there was always this sense of joy that came from people seeing me want to be a father. And I feel that with spaces, there aren't any spaces for us to need and ask, right? Like, what do we need? A lot of times we don't know what we need as fathers. And then the second piece to that is, what do we ask for? So we, we can't ask for anything if we don't know what we need. And that is what sparked me to create a new dad's group, right? But the dads that I enlisted came from my wife's new mom's group, right? And so <laughs> okay. I looked all throughout this region for dad's group, and there were none. Now, there were dad classes, that met, you know, if let's just say, for example, my wife, when she was pregnant, they would meet, you know, a couple of times every month. And then even after she had the child, after she had our son, they would meet once a month. But I'm like, so I go to the class to help you with breathing. And then I go to the class to help you with the birthing journey. What about how do I put on a diaper? Let's start with that. Right. And then the next class was, how do I do all of this? And I said, I have to be able, I have to create a space where dads can just be in a room with their children and we just talk and we just support and we help. And I tell you, I learned a lot from this six weeks like course that I just created, right? We met every Saturday morning at 8 a.m at a different location in Virginia. And what we did was the prerequisite was that you had to bring your kid. And the reason why was because I wanted communities to see fathers together. And so we would go Mm. into a coffee shop and take it over. And there would be eight dads with kids and we would have diaper bags and we would have car seats and we would have strollers and we would look a hot mess. But what I saw as this, you know, this journey continued was that we started to support each other. So one day a father came and he didn't have any diapers. And we were just like, oh, we got diapers. Another time we went to um, another coffee shop and they didn't have a changing table. And so one dad went into the ladies' restroom while another dad stood outside, right? And that was just to help the dads know that it's okay to ask for help. But the other thing that we did was is that we saw the importance of giving our wives an hour out of the day on a Saturday to themselves. And it was almost as though we were paying it forward. So that space that we created, that was an hour every Saturday turned to being an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, because we just needed that. And so if you don't know what you need, you can't ask for anything. But the more that you are with dads, you began to say, okay, why is that car seat better than this car seat? Can anyone help me have this conversation with my doctor? Because I don't know what to ask when we go for this three month checkup. Right. And so that's why I saw that it was important. And so, um, you know, being more the facilitator helped, but I wish that I could have sat in on some of the content instead of leading most of it. So, B, let me ask you um, one that's dope. And it sounds like mostly, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
that that was a place to really get the physical dad one-on-one. Yeah. Um, do you have an environment that you feel to be a, sp- a, self- a safe mental space for you to unpack fathering? Those, those questions that may, that are less like, how do I put this diaper on yeah. as opposed to like, man, you know, how do I bounce back from today? Or That's I can't get this question. kid to stop crying. That's a great question. And the answer is no. Um, my, my therapist has helped me out a lot. And, you know, whether we we meet once a week or once every couple of weeks, that's still not enough. Um, you know, and so the one thing that a lot of us do very well has been is we can file it away and close that file cabinet and tuck it in the back. And that's not healthy because it starts to compound and just build over time. And so I don't have that space. My wife has helped me create that space, which has been huge, right? But there are times where, you know, if I didn't have you two, a lot of my growth would have been stymated. Like it, it, it would have been moving, but it would have been like one of those scenes in the Spike Lee movie where the person is walking, but they look like they're floating. <laughs> sure. Mine would have been the opposite. Sliding backwards. <laughs> yeah, mine would have been opposite, right? I would have been looking like I was floating, but I was actually like crawling, right? And so um, I don't have that space, but I am glad that we're having this conversation now because we're building up this momentum to be able to talk about A, why we need this space. B, how do we create a space? Because not all spaces are safe and not all spaces, just like Hare said, they're not all healthy. Sure. And that, yeah. and that's the dangerous part is not all spaces are healthy. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's actually kind of where I was going with it when I was saying the, um, the whole, you know, that's what it's supposed to be. Like when we complain, quote unquote, there's this, it's, and I don't even know if it's really complaining. It's, it's just being vulnerable. You know, this stuff is hard, you know? And even when you come through a hard day um, or, or a hard night, especially as a new father, <laughs> you know, it's like, man, that's rough. Man. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, it's, it's, I can't even think straight. And it's, oh, you know, that that's what it is. It's like, can I, can I have a moment? <laughs> you know? And, mm-hmm. and then what, what ends up happening is you end up just locking all that on the inside because you start to feel like, well, nobody wants to hear that anyway. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, there's this concept around what does it mean to be a protector? And as a protector, I think a lot of men look at it as part of being a protector is me not complaining. Because if I complain, then you may try to take care of me when I'm supposed to be taking care of you. Okay. Neither that's like coming at the same thing from different directions. Neither of those approaches are healthy. Healthy. You know, there's this myth, and and I, I think about it a lot during this time of year because Mother's Day is coming up and Father's Day will be right behind it. You know, and there are these cards, and I've I've given them to my mom as well. Um, the notion of the parental superhero, like my mother's a superhero, my father's a superhero. They did all these things. But I think it's, I think it's detrimental to everybody, you know, mm. because what it does is one, Superman don't need lunch, you know. Um, Batman, well, Batman's got all kinds of emotional problems, but you know, mm. a lot of superheroes they Head don't have, that. right? 
<laughs> right, and millions, billions. Um, but they don't have frailty or they don't show their weaknesses. For me to see my mother or for somebody else to see their father as a superhero is not to see them as a real person. And, and as fathers, I think we try to step into that role even more so um, because a lot of times we're bigger and stronger or whatever the case may be. And, and like you said, as that protector. And so we put ourselves out there as this person who doesn't have that frailty, which means, one, we're not teaching our kids the truth. Two, mm-hmm. we're setting ourselves up to fail. Um, and, and it just doesn't help anybody. And it's not honest to, to our spouses or our helpers or our co-parents. Um, well, often if you have a co-parent, they'll be very quick to tell you what you're not. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I think that it's important that we show our children our full selves and, and to mm-hmm. be real. My, my daughter said to me um, the other day, Daddy, I've never seen you cry. And I told her, I said, well, you know, I haven't cried in a long time, but I certainly, I certainly have had times when I've cried. I said, the last time I remember crying, I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we talked about that. And I said, you know, there's a lot of things that, are, that were going on and I just hadn't cried um, in years and years and years prior to it happening. And so when it finally did happen, um, you know, it was over my grandmother. Um, my grandmother passed away in 2003 and I got accepted into law school. My grandmother thought I would always be a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. So I go through law school and it wasn't until my graduation from law school in 2007 that I'm sitting at graduation and I can't stop crying. And everybody's overwhelmed at graduation. So they assumed that that was why, but it was because the person who saw this in me is not here to share it with me. Uh And for four years, I just pushed that down or always had something else to do. And so like, I had this conversation with my daughter and she was like, you didn't cry for four years. And I was like, that's not the point. That's not. (laughs) But, but I was glad to be able to tell her that, no, I have these needs and by ignoring these needs, they will come back, you know, and, and manifest themselves in ways that, you know, that can be overwhelming. And, um, you know, I made a note to circle back with her, but I, I haven't yet, but I, I want to definitely do that. Um, it, when you said that, it just, it made me think of this, just this question of, do we feel like we deserve safety? <sighs> And what I and what I mean by that is, you know, I I grew up, I grew up uh, in Baltimore, and it just it wasn't a very it was not a safe experience. Right. I can say it was a violent experience, actually. Um, and you know, it's funny you don't realize how violent or you know how uncommon your experience was until the first time you share a story in mixed company, and people just look at you like, you know, are you okay? Yeah, um, and. You know, it's funny. The first time that happened to me, I was like, yeah, I'm okay. And then, you know, after a while I got a counselor, I was like, oh, wait, um, maybe not. There's some stuff I need to work on, you know? So, I don't know. That question just had me, it just had me wondering, do we feel like we deserve safety? Because being able to operate in the lack thereof is so much of what we um, have deemed to be where our strength comes from, you know, where everybody else is trying to be safe. We're busy, um, you know, being able to function regardless, you know, or so we think, um, so do we eventually get to the point where we feel like we don't even deserve it? Uh, 
The, the interesting thing about your question, Harris, is, you know, from if I'm answering matter-of-factly, I say, yeah, you know, of course. But then I look at my habits, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm in a relationship, do I treat that person like a safe space? Do I open mm-hmm. up or do I say, I got this, you know, or, you know, something happened, but I got it. I'll take care of it. Um, because that really says how we feel, you know, as opposed to our words, do our actions. And I, I, can't, I will say I have made the mistake on more than one occasion of dating people who I did not believe were safe spaces for me mm. um, and had to, you know, I I was more cavalier uh, about dating before I had a daughter um, and, and now I've, I've been more selective. Um, but, it, you know, if you're dating, if you're with someone who, to whom you can't be open or, or honest or, or, who you can't seek in a, in a moment of weakness, then you have, there's some other questions that you probably should ask. Um, Let me, let me ask you guys this because uh, as the married, as the married brothers do, do you and your wives have the same feeling about safe spaces? I mean, I think, I mean, Oh man, that's a great question. Also. Um, I think, it, it takes a lot to identify what both of you need, what you can provide each other, and then what you need as an individual. And I, I think, I feel that when you add the dynamic of, in, in my case, someone from a different race and someone from a different religion, that there are more complexities to it, right? Not saying that they are... Um, in in conflict with each other um but i've seen and recognized that a lot of our communication has been based in what do we need personally and what do we need as as a couple and as the as the older that you get like i feel that this question is something that lives within me because i've gotten older and i've started to think about what i saw my parents doing Right. That okay. was great. What I saw my parents doing that I wanted to emulate and, you know, the the adverse of that. And you have nothing but time to kind of really put into place. What should this be looking like? And along the way, you make mistakes. Right. And past relationships, very similar to what you said, Don, is that that also sets you up to ask more so of what you want or for you to go ahead and say, did I want, do I want this with this person or do I, did I want this with the other person? Cause that's not who I'm with now. And so, um, communication is key. And, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's always going to be the answer because there are still hiccups, um, where I'm dropping a ball on certain things, but you know, yeah, Brian, I'm, I'm fascinated by your answer. Um, if you can, if you can think of something, could you give an example of the added complexity that that different cultural backgrounds, um, like an, an example of how that has kind of made it a little more challenging? Um, I mean, one of the biggest um, uh, one of the biggest challenges that we had when you know my wife and I wanted to take our relationship to the next level was how are we going to raise our son? 
in faith. And, um, you know, I come from a very strong Methodist Christian um, side, right? Like, I mean, I didn't go to church all the time, but when I did, my dad was in the choir, my mom was in the choir, folks knew me, I knew folks. So it was just like, one of the funny story, one of the worst whoopings I ever got came in church. I mean, I mean, so it was I, not I, a safe space. It was not a safe space. I was just like, why am I getting a whooping and God is supposed to save me? Um, but, you know, the other side of that was, you know, is he going to be Muslim? Right. And, and our, you know, what does that look like? And, you know, and so that was something that if we hadn't had a strong union with ourselves and coming to a specific agreement and coming to a specific understanding, our parents would have probably pulled us apart. Mm. And so I say that in creating a safe space, we both had to put out there on the table what was important to us. And there was some give and there was some take, there was some understanding and there was some, we will agree to disagree. But a lot of that changed when we had the child, right? And we started to see that now we are in the driver's seat and our families are just passengers. They can't drive this car. And in order for us to be successful, we have to say to ourselves, we have to keep driving in the destination that we feel is the right destination. Did I answer your question? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, for me, it was a little, a little different. Um, I, you know, I, my wife, for her, safety and comfort are they they're partners. They're very close, intimate partners. And I didn't realize until you know I got married that. And it's funny, not e- not even dating did I get this. It's like I figured it out once married. Is that her comfort plays a role in her feeling safe? I never associated comfort comfort with safety. You know what I mean? It's like again, you know, if I'm in a violent scenario, if I need to hide somewhere, if I need to hide in a cramped <laughs> closet, um, I'm not worried about being comfortable. I'm worried about right. being safe. You know, I don't find it synonymous. And Mm. but, you know, the comfort piece has a mental health um, component that I just wasn't, you know, no one was was helping me to think of things that way. Um, So, again, and I think a lot of men do this, you know, being able to have that grit um, it gives us this sense of security. I don't know if security is safety, but a sense of security to say that, you know, when the chips are down, I can rise to the occasion. Um, but you know, where's comfort in that space? Right. So, um, so yeah, it, in, in a lot of ways, my wife taught me to appreciate comfort, um, as, as an essential piece of safety. Uh, and it's still a stretch for me, even to today. It's so interesting how both of you guys came about the concept um, of, of the need of a safe space and, and Brian, it being with with you and Pfizer deciding to that you were going to take the step 
and needing to be able to cling to each other so that your families didn't didn't have um more impact that you guys wanted and and Harris it was it was through you and and, and your conversation with your wife um for me when i found out that i was going to be a father i was I'll, I'll tell you which guy i was i was that guy who starts googling how do i have a smart baby you know, is it which which kind of fish does does the does the the mother to be need to need to eat? What type of music and what kind of headphones do I need to put on the belly? Um, and just everything, you know. And it's a it's a whole rabbit hole. And mm-hmm. I I came to this book that um that's, it, it was so good and it was so clear. Um, it was called Brain Brain Rules for Baby. And the author is uh, John Medina. So I'm, I'm reading the book and it says that if you want so forget, forget about, you know, what you want your kid to be in life or, or IQ scores and all that stuff. But if you want your child to be able to maximize his or her potential, um, what you should focus on is safety. Safety. Yeah. Because... It, and the, the odd thing, it said that learning is not the first priority of the human, of, of humans, that it's actually stay alive and have some shelter and uh, be able to eat. And then once those initial needs are taken care of, then then you can explore your surroundings. Then you can learn about the environment. And so if you want your baby to be, you know, open and whatever it is going to be for that baby, it's not one size fits all, but um, the best thing that you could do is to provide a safe environment. And it made so much sense to me, but even then I didn't see the same value in people. You know, mm. how could I be my best in a relationship when I'm constantly trying to, either prove myself or I don't trust you or we we're not stable, you know, and not to say that, that there aren't people who overcome and do incredible things, um, overcoming, uh, um, amazing circumstances, but the best way to, to, to guarantee, you know, um, development and, and, um, and just maximizing experience is safety. I mean, and, it has to go for all parties involved, um, particularly in an environment where fathers, we walk a, t- a tighter rope. I just believe mm-hmm. that to be the case. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's because maybe mothers get more experience. Um, they certainly start off nurturing a lot earlier because the child is inside them. Um, most cases, I, I certainly am not saying that that's the way that everybody has um, comes sure. to parenthood, but um the majority of the time. And so when my daughter was born, I felt like an outsider. I mean, I knew I was going to be there. I was going to be an active outsider, but I just assumed that initial connection was theirs. And, and so the learning curve seemed a lot steeper for me. Um, thankfully I was able to settle in and, um, and kind of cobble together a safe space. And, and, you know, Tamika and I were, were able to, to do that and be that for each other without, saying it as much, but, but just by being, um, by being that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's incredibly important. You know, maybe this is part two of the episode where we can dive a little bit more deeper into where did a lot of this doubt originate 
And what were the images and what were what was the context that made us begin to not only feel this, but believe it and then turn that into action, right? And all of our origin stories has an aspect of where that doubt probably originated. And, you know, I feel that that's an important aspect for us to be able to, A, be vulnerable and B, have healthy spaces, right? Because we can't make progress until we get to that point where this was what originated into us making some of the decisions that we've made. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, For me, it was a blank slate. You know what I mean? I didn't have, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a a father to emulate. You know, Mm -hmm. I I, look, luckily for me, I had a nurturer. I had people who were loving and, and, uh, both maternal and paternal figures. But yeah, I didn't see what a father does firsthand day in and day out. So, I mean, I was convinced that I wanted to be that. I still had no idea what it meant, particularly what the challenges were. Utilizing this time during this pandemic with Nas has been one where I am making up for lost time, right? Mm. And And looking at it as, this is an opportunity that I never get with another child. So how can I maximize? And, and, and it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's tiring, right? Because sometimes we just don't have these innate tools. Um, but, you know, when, when FISA has to work, dad's on deck. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be screen time and YouTube. And it's, it's not going to be that. And I also, you know, can attribute a lot of the ease in being able to do this to having been a teacher for so long and knowing that, listen, I can't get frustrated by this because he's doing what he's supposed to do at two, but I don't know how he is going to benefit from this 10 years down the line, but I guarantee he will benefit from being able to have his dad present. Period. Period. Oh, yeah. Period. And- Period. You know, and just because I love you don't mean that your screams sound like music. It, and it doesn't mean that I don't get tired, if not fatigued, from from working with you. It's just, you know, I see it as an investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys this. Um, sanctuary. And, and, and when I say sanctuary, what I'm thinking of is the safe space that we create for ourselves. You know, um, particularly interesting, uh, following what you just said, Brian, about this being a pandemic, we may not get a lot of physical time to ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. But do you have sanctuary? And if so, what does that look like? And is it healthy? I mean, don't laugh at me. I'm about to be vulnerable. Family. Pod family. Um, Music, man. Like, I can't stress enough how music has been a sanctuary for me, man. Like, I could get lost into certain songs, into certain melodies, into certain samples, into certain tempos that are like therapy for me. And um, I, I don't know where that originated from, but you know, there are some times where we may have a conflict in the house. And I, I, just, I just need to put on some headphones, right? Because I need to be able to find some truth and some connection 
into something that has spoken to me before and it still speaks to me, right? One day it may be Stevie Wonder. Another day it may be Luther Vandross. Another day it may be Neil Diamond. Like who knows? But that's been one of my sanctuaries. The other has just been like getting into the gym and just getting stupid, like just lifting or doing boxing. And, um, you know, I've, I've found that I don't want to take frustration into like the gym, especially if it's revolving around family stuff. Right. I just think that that's unhealthy um, because I want to go to the gym and be energized. Like I don't want to go to the gym and be like mad at, at Pfizer, like or mad at life. Like, so I've had to work on separating those two things, but music has consistently been a driver for solitude for me. Interesting. How about you, Harris? For me, it's really about being around creative people, which is interesting because I really am an introvert. Um, people drain me, but creative energy specifically um, is recharging. So in that way, I'm an ambivert. But, um, you know, the podcast, you know, we were kind of joking earlier today uh, when we were just kind of saying, you know, I do so much. Um there's something to be said about the amount of energy I have um, that's connected to creativity. It's just, it's, it's a different, um, it just takes less. Um, and it gives more than it takes. That's actually sometimes what I say to people is, you know, whatever this experience is, hopefully it gives you more than it takes from you. So um, when I'm in that creative space around positive people, um, it, it just, it recharges kind of like a sub battery, you know, it's a mental health battery that's even different from the physical. But um, yeah, being around creatives, people who, cause you know, to take to a spiritual kind of piece, creativity for me is kind of the closest thing we can be uh, to God, you know, like what are we creating? And when I am in that space around those type of people, I feel like there's a spiritual recharge occurring. Nice. So I'm going to follow that up with saying that I am trying very deliberately to build sanctuary um, because what has been my my personal safe space is pornography. And um, what I've come to you believe- You must have an awesome VPN. <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing about uh, sharing custody. You got three days on, three days off. Only on JNGs, folks. But listen, Keeps you know, real. we said that we wanted to do the work, right? And yeah, um, yeah. Much respect. I'm joking, it, but much respect. No, no, it's fine. L- listen, it, it, I was planning on saying it. And then when you started talking about being closer to God, I was like, okay, here's your opportunity, ah! to, here's your opportunity to switch up. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's in, I want to make good use of my time. And, and to, let me be clear, this is not something that I'm embarrassed about. However, I think that those things that we seek, um, particularly as as we talk about uh, being sanctuary, they should 
give us something. We should walk away feeling refreshed or, or brighter or stronger or clearer. And it's more of escape. And, mm-hmm. and while escape may be part of what sanctuary can be, I don't think it should be the whole thing. And I think in terms, it's, it's interesting. Um, my whole life, the things that I've done and, and the things that I do have pretty much fallen into things that if I can't talk to my mother about it, I probably shouldn't be doing it. And now it's if I can't have an open and honest conversation with my daughter about it, why are you doing it? Now, that mm-hmm. certainly doesn't mean that my mother knows everything I've done. Um, but I just try not to live my life in ways that that I would not be able to have conversations about with the most important people to me. And um, so that has had me, is particularly during this time, right? Because quarantine, everybody's stuck at home. Um, there is a lot of self-time. And so I've tried to, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, like busy my hands <laughs> with other things. And to to be, you know, write more and to be out more and to be more engaged and to to dig deeper into um, research in the self and just exploring interests because I want to be, I want to come out of this being better. Now, um, take a moment to say that for a lot of people, just being during this time is is sufficient because that because this is hitting everybody differently. So I'm not saying if you don't come out of this knowing how to change a carburetor or how to build a deck on your house that somehow you failed. I don't I don't want to ever suggest that. But I personally want to use this time um, in a productive way that pornography just doesn't provide. And so I'm I'm actively searching for sanctuary, and that's why I asked you guys that. I I want to. I want to congratulate you for exercising the safety of this space. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but you know, it took, it took a degree of vulnerability uh, for you to go there. And I, and I also think, you know, some of that is strategic, you're a strategic brother, you know, you, you want that for us. And, but like a good leader, you have to demonstrate it. You know, um, so I want to thank you for uh, demonstrating what, um, you know, what vulnerability looks like. Yeah. Uh, and because it's a courage. That's a courage, man. You know, to, you know, I much respect. Well, you know, rarely do we get better in spaces where we can't be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and, if, and if I can't be me then how can this space feed me? You know, how, yeah. how can I build on something that I'm afraid to show? Um, yeah. You know, and I, look, I'm also the editor, so I might cut this out tomorrow, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, being willing to have the conversation is something that we have to be willing to try. Right. And, and that looks different for everybody. Um, but yeah, no, and I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm working on being able to take praise. Thank you. Hey, what's up? Well, listen, man, this has been a great conversation. Um, Before we jump out, I I always want to take a moment to acknowledge those things that that hit us just the right way at the right time. Um, And maybe it's nothing and maybe it's something. Um, Is there anything that that gave you inspiration in the last couple of days that that, uh, is worth speaking on or something that just felt good? 
you know, I started listening to Les Brown motivational speeches and other, um, you know, moments of inspiration every night before I go to sleep. Uh, I was finding that I was bringing a lot of anxiety to my sleep and my sleeping. I wasn't able to sleep well. Um, But I started to notice that once I started hearing that you can do it, the champion is within you, cloud out the devil. Like when I started to hear these things, Mm. I started to feel my muscles relaxing and I didn't wake up feeling so tense. And so, um, you know, I just, I started doing that. And then uh, I went ahead and purchased some resistance bands okay, um, for, for working out and started doing a little circuit in the basement. Um, and, you know, those two small things are just giving me hope. And so um, just filling myself with a lot of positivity, filling myself with a lot of you do matter, like you can get through this. Um but also being a part of the work, just saying, you know, don't be sitting here eating chips all day and and you got to work it out. So I feel like you're judging me. I mean, <laughs> I'm, eating, I'm eating chips, too. They're just healthy chips. <laughs> OK, OK. Kale chips. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're kale chips. But, you know, the occasional Dorito every now and then. Fair. Let's see. I would say. um so uh Mallory's been playing gospel in the morning. Um okay. and I, you know you know something happens and you didn't even know you needed it. Yeah. But it's not, not I don't know. I don't even know what new current gospel is. Um uh, but it's but all I know is it feels like that late 90s early 2000s gospel hit a little different. You know, this okay. that Jesus you are is and um you know, Kirk Franklin and the family, just, you know, the, the puff daddy of, of gospel. It just, I don't know. It just, it feels good. It take me, it takes me back to, you know, just a different time in life when things were a lot simpler and, um, you know, faith just made a little more sense. Um, it's, it's just been, and you know, that again, it's another thing about, being with a spouse that is equally yoked because when they are doing things to make their world better, when y'all are on the same page, it makes yours better as well. So yeah, just, it was, it, I, I can call that one a gift because I had nothing to do with it besides just choosing the right woman years ago. Hey, True. Listen, that is an investment that uh, pays dividends down the line. <laughs> um, For me, so I listen to audiobooks a lot. And and what will end up happening is a book will reference another book and I'll buy two or three and maybe not even get get to them. Um so I was checking my email Bowling? today. Nah. <laughs> um I was checking my email today and I, I got an email from this author, um, James Clear. He's the um the author of Atomic Habits. And Part of the email had a question, and it was, what does this make possible? Mm. And I just thought that was a dope question, particularly as I was preparing to, you know, I was thinking about the podcast, thinking about dad jeans, and, you know, 
one of the things that the three of us need to talk about is, you know, what's a win? You know, what does long-term or even a year from now, what does, um, what do we want to see um, come from dad genes? But, but just that initial question, what does this make possible? I mean, and, you know, today my answer is it, it, it makes possible not to have to carry around some of the things that we're working on. It, it, it makes it gives us an opportunity to open up and to to share some of the challenges that we may be having. And so I really like that question. I think that it is a focus changer. I think that sometimes we can be narrow narrow in our thinking and only think about the the negative or what's happening or how overwhelming it is, but but just asking something as simple as what does this make possible can kind of change the perspective for for the good. And so uh yeah, I just wanted to share that. Cool. That's what's up. Well, listen, this has been another episode of the Dad Genes Podcast, where we explore the DNA of healthy fathering. Today, we've been talking about safe spaces for fathers, and particularly, do they even exist? Um, It's been a great conversation. Feel free to check us out. We are on all your favorite podcast directories. There are several older episodes. If you listen to them, just know that we get better by the episode. So start at episode one if you want to, but um, uh, we'll we'll be willing to drop another one, and we're happy that you're joining with us. Um, and five star reviews, guys. Uh, you know we're starting out, and the only thing that gets you that bump is five stars. So if if you felt like it was a three star story uh, show. Um, let us know that in the email, but but your storage needs to be five uh, so we can get that bump. We really Absolutely. appreciate it. Absolutely. And please share if the, if there's someone who you think could appreciate the Dad Genes podcast or could add substance to it, please share it with them. Um, the way that we grow is by you putting the word out. Brian, anything you want to say? No, like you guys said, you hit it right out of the park. We appreciate you guys. You are our family um, and there are dads and sons out there um, and, and wives and girlfriends out there that will benefit from, from our conversation. And so we are family. So thank you guys. Continue to do the work. In, in the meantime, this is Dedon. This is Brian. This is Harris. And we're the Dad Jeans crew. Peace. Peace. We do know who we are. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs>